As we've been coming into lockdown, I've been reminded of some of the helpful advice I've heard about how to deal with this uh, situation in a productive way. And one of the uh, bits of advice that I've heard is to think about um, finding something in this situation or in your life that we can control and really control that because there is so much in our life at the moment that is out of control. And I think a lot of people have taken that advice to heart and this is why uh, home renovations and garden makeovers have been a huge feature of the last couple of months for so many of us and I know that it has for me. And we're very familiar with the idea of renovation uh, in our culture. Reality TV shows where people renovate uh, houses are a huge part of uh, what you can find on TV. And for many of us, the Saturday trip to Bunnings is a, you know, a weekly ritual that we enjoy so much. And so renovation is something that we do love. And if you think about the word renovation, from the word actually means renewal. That's the same word. And it, means to take something that is old, something that has fallen into disrepair, or something that is undeveloped and needs some work, and to bring it back to a new, fresh state. So that's to renovate something or to renew it. And renewal is actually a strong theme in the Bible. And so we're going to be making it part of our theme for this term. As I said at the beginning, uh, Renewed is the title of our series. And this is a continuation of what we've been calling our year of creation at St. Mark's, a year when we think about what does it mean to be living in this world that God's made and to live in accordance with his purposes for our lives. So we started the year looking at uh, the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we called that the making of our world and thinking about what kind of world we actually live in and how we can understand what it means for it to be God's creation. Last term, we worked through the book of Proverbs, which is a wisdom book in the Old Testament, which encourages us to look at the world and to understand how it works so that we can live in a way that um, fits in with God's purposes uh, for our lives and the wisdom that he's put into creation. And so this week, as we start our series on Colossians, we are again thinking about creation. And Colossians, I think, like a lot of the New Testament, encourages us to think of creation as something that needs in some way to be renewed and that God plans to renovate and that we have part to play as human beings as part of that process. Because as we look around the world, we can see that while it is a place of great beauty, there is also much in the world that is in need of renovation, that is in need of renewal. Creation in many places, in many parts, is struggling. And this is one of the things that Jesus came to do as part of his mission, part of his good news, was to come and actually renew the human race and to call us to be part of a renewal plan, a renovation plan for the world in which we live. So Jesus came to renew humanity in the image of God, as we've learned, that we've been made to be. And so what we're looking forward to is a renewed creation, a creation that reflects God's love, his power and his spirit to the fullness. We don't see it yet, but we believe that's his plan and we're part of that. So as we come to the letter to the Colossians, this is our overall theme, thinking about God's renewal of creation. As we start, I might have a bit of an overview of Colossians as a letter. It's not a long book of the Bible, but there's a lot in it. 
So if you haven't read it before, Colossian is one of a, Colossians is one of a series of letters that we have from the Apostle Paul uh, in, the Old, in the New Testament, where he wrote to churches to encourage them as they were growing in their faith. And so we read in uh, verse 1 of our reading that this is a letter from Paul and from his assistant, his friend Timothy, writing to the church in Colossae. Now Colossae is a, well, it was a small town in the area called Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. <coughs> and we read later on that it was a church that was started by Paul's friend Epaphras, and Paul had an interest in it because it was part of his network. And Paul had heard that the church was probably facing some challenges, as churches always do. And their particular challenges that the Colossians had were probably around their understanding of who Jesus was and what he'd done and how to live that out in the world. And there's a possibility they were being tempted to turn away to other philosophical paths or other religions that were around at the time. And so Paul writes to encourage them about that with the goal that they can learn as a congregation to walk in maturity and their identity in Christ and to keep growing. And so the letter to the Colossians covers a number of issues. It covers our understanding of Jesus. It covers how Christians live their own lives in their own personal uh, character and also in their relationships with each other and ways that they can understand how to grow in that. Okay, and today we read the opening section where Paul sets out his main themes of the letter. And what we heard really, I would say, is a basic restatement of the position that Paul has, that the Colossians are those who should understand themselves primarily as followers of Jesus Christ and people who have been called into a new way of living. And so Paul has hopes for how they will experience God and be renewed by that experience. And this new way of life is not just a, a set of rules, it's actually based on something that they've received, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that they put their faith in in which they're learning to live out. And for a summary of that good news, you could look at perhaps verses 13 to 14 of our reading, where Paul describes well, what God has done for these believers in Colossae, that they should have faith in him. So Paul says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the Paul says, this is what you have believed. Your life has changed. You have been forgiven. You have been set free through Jesus. But now you need to live that out. And so Paul introduces in this section the hopes that he has for them as they grow into maturity on the basis of this good news. And so this is something that, of course, applies to all Christian people, including us today. And there's a, an idea that's repeated several times in this passage, the idea that um, the good news of Jesus and his people are bearing fruit and growing in the world. So the gospel is bearing fruit, Paul says, and so will God's people. So in verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So growing in and bearing fruit, these are metaphors that are used. Of course, these are gardening metaphors, metaphors of growth and life. And uh, you can think about the implications of this. 
So Paul is saying that following Jesus is like a plant that grows and bears fruit. So growing is to have an increasing knowledge of God and to grow stronger, to grow in a deeper understanding of him, to love him with their heart and mind and spirit, and to become like a plant that has put down deep roots, which grows up strongly and which can um, bear any, any amount of fruit. And so it does. He says you will also be bearing fruit, not just knowing God, but actually showing that in your life through good works, acts of charity, generosity, kindness and love to others. This is a very common way of describing the Christian life, to know God and to love others or to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbours as ourselves. And Paul reminds them that this is the life that comes from believing in Jesus. And so he talks then about their renewal in this, the maturity that comes from putting your faith in Jesus and to be moved into this change in their lives, to know God more, to keep acting out and bearing fruit from what God's done for them. So he encourages them to do that. And he hopes in addition that this is not just a temporary, temporary renewal, not that they will go on for a bit and then stop, but that they will be made strong and permanent in this growth through the power of God working in them. So for instance, if you look in verse 11, he says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that, you, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So this opening section is a prayer of thanksgiving. It's also a prayer asking God that the believers in this church in Colossae will know the renewal of their lives through Jesus. Having believed in it, it, they will be changed. And so their inner life with God will be affected. They will grow in knowledge. Their depths will be put into him. And their outer lives with others will be changed too. They will bear fruit for good works. And so this renovation, this renewal, this growth will continue and grow. And so this is the pattern that, that Paul talks about for this church, but it's true to be true for all Christians in all places that we are part, as I said, of God's plan for the renewal of humanity that's begun in Jesus and it's anchored in Jesus' life, death and resurrection and it works out in our own lives. So I want to read a quote to you from a bishop named N.T. Wright who wrote about this uh, passage saying, Already in his opening thanksgiving, Paul has begun to reveal the truth he most wishes the Colossians to grasp that in Christ, God is the creator and recreator of the world and of humanity. And that therefore, once the meaning of the cross is fully understood, the world and humanity are to be joyfully affirmed as his own. In Christ, there is a new beginning, a new Genesis. So this is the vision for human life that opens up this letter to the Colossians that we are called to be part of the renewal of creation, the renewal of humanity beginning with ourselves and therefore flowing out in the renewal of the whole world, which is God's plan. And this is actually very close to our own church's vision and mission statement uh, as we describe what we're trying to do, that we say that St Mark's is called to be an authentic expression of God's transforming presence in Emerald and the hills. And so we're trying to tap into that same idea that this is what the church is supposed to be. And so Colossians, as Paul begins, it encourages us to live out 
this life of renewal as people who have heard and accepted the good news of Jesus for ourselves. So, because, and it starts by, so we start by remembering what he has done. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. We have been brought into the kingdom of the Son, whom God loves. And it says, as Paul uh, says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And from that grace comes a changed life. And so this opening chapter of Colossians, this opening section of Colossians, is really a statement of what Jesus has done for us and the life that's supposed to flow from it. And so it's a great reminder and summary of that for us. Next week, as we get into the following section, we're going to think more about who Jesus was and why his life was so powerful to transform and renew the world and how it brings God's purposes for creation to their completion. So it's a really important chapter. But today it's encouraging just to hear what Paul hopes and what I think all Christian leaders hope uh, for those who are following Jesus under their care, that we would be renewed in our hearts and in our lives to know God and to bear fruit. So I'd encourage you today to ask ourselves this question. What area of our life or what areas of our lives need to be renewed in Jesus? What areas of our lives need to be renewed in Jesus? If we look through the various elements of our lives, if we think about our relationship with God, we think about our inner life, our feelings, our motivations, our attitudes, our thoughts. If we think about the way we relate to other people, if we think about the world around us, we think about its need for healing, for justice. What areas in our lives need to be renewed, need to be renovated? What areas of our lives are lacking in vitality, lacking in power and lacking in God's love? Well, these are the areas that God wants to work on, to grow and to bear fruit in. And we're coming up to a season when I think it's a good time to think about that. In about six weeks or so, it'll be springtime. This is the time when we see new life beginning, the renewal of creation again for another year as God's power flows through it again. So I think this is a good time for us to prepare for that. In this quiet time, to draw near to God again, to seek renewal from him, a renewal of our faith, our knowledge of God, and a renewal of the fruit of our lives. So I ask us today to think about, to ask God to bring to mind what is it in our lives that need to be renewed? And what is it that we need to know about ourselves in order to do so? I'm going to ask you to spend some time reflecting on that, either by yourself or with those who are watching this with you. In a minute, I'm going to put up some discussion questions on the screen, which you can work through at your own pace and have a conversation about this passage and how it applies to our life. So as we do so, I encourage you to ask God to show you and to renew your faith and understanding of what Jesus has done for us and the renewal that flows from that. So let's move to that time of discussion now. Well, after we've listened to the Bible and we've thought about what it means for us, uh, it's good for us to think about ways that we respond in worship to God. And of course, one of the ways that we do that is by praying. And so we're worshipping together online, and I want to encourage you as we continue to do this to learn as much as you can to be a prayer and to be a, someone who responds to God out of your own heart 
and with your own words. Uh, and to pray for things that affect you and affect our community and to seek God's action in those areas for yourself. But um, not everyone knows how to pray out loud. It can be something that's a bit daunting. But it is something that we can learn. It's something that we can practice. And however old we are, however young we are, we can learn how to do that. And so today I want to give you one simple way of putting together a prayer that has meaning and that conveys uh, the sense of seeking God's presence that we want. And I call this an ABC method. It's really a method for putting together a kind of prayer that in our church we call a collect. Now, a collect is a short form of prayer that's been used for hundreds of years to ask God for the things uh, that we need for us and for our world. And so to put together a collect, or to put together this kind of ABC prayer, the first thing you do is use the A. So that's you ask God for something. So you think of something that uh, you would like to ask God to do, some situation that you want him to be involved in, something that needs his attention and care. You ask for it. You do so with the B, which is on the basis of God's character and on the basis of the things that we know about God, particularly through Jesus. And so then C is we ask those things in the name of Christ. So we ask God to do things, trusting that Jesus is the one who prays for us at all times and that it's in his name and with his power and his authority that we can pray with confidence that we will be heard. So A, B, C. Ask for something on the basis of God's character in the name of Christ. And so this way of constructing a prayer focuses our prayers on God and on Jesus and the, the reason why we can be confident to ask for the things that we need. And it enriches our faith and our response to God. So I'd like to give you an example of this kind of prayer. So for instance, if you wanted to pray for a sick relative, you might say, Father God, I know that you care for all your children, so I ask that you would heal my cousin in the name of Jesus who healed his friends. Um, it's a simple prayer, but it brings together a lot of things in a very short period of time. So I invite you today to spend a minute saying or preparing your own collect, your own ABC prayer, either individually or together in a group where you are. You can pause the screen while we do that. We'll have leave some time. So to think of something that you can ask God for and to put it together in this form. And after you've done that, we're going to return. I'm going to conclude our time of prayer with the Lord's Prayer before we go out in the time of singing. So as we bring our prayers to God, let's conclude this time by saying the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.